Hello, and welcome back to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bortner and the immortal Nick Bertopapis. How are you doing today on this fine evening, Nicholas? Okay, Joe. I mean, today is just like any other day. It's another day without meaning in, the, in an eternal number of days. Yeah, that must be rough. I'm sorry that you have to go through that whole not dying thing. Yep. Species come, species go, friends come, friends go. And I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I still have to endure every single day. And it's the hardest thing I have to do every day. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you've gone through like, you know, many iterations of this podcast with many different co-hosts and I am but one in a long line. And incredibly, I have not gotten better at it. It's still only a okay podcast. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Why must this go on? <laughs> Folks, we are here to present to you the greatest thing ever created in our time the 10th episode of the Out of Our Heads podcast. Woo! Double digits! <laughs> we'll have, hopefully, at least 89 more of these before we get to triple digits, but time will tell. Nick, we're not discussing it on the show, but have you seen HBO's Watchmen? I have not, Joe. I've also not seen the Watchmen movie still, oh. but you know what I have seen? What have you seen? I've seen the comic Watchmen many, many times. Oh, right, of course. Many pages. Many times. Yes. That's just one of the things that you can expect on our 10th episode. We'll be doing throwbacks to various bits that we've done on the previous nine. It's sort of a... <laughs> oh, yeah. Joe, do you want to just, like, throw some bits out there that we've done? All right, I'll, I'll go first. Um, that time we talked about how we have read Watchmen. All right, now you. Oh, uh, well, who can forget Jeffrey? Excuse me? Joe, that's not ours. <laughs> you can't have it. We have nothing. I... I mean, who can forget that time that, like, you know, we were recording the Rise of Kyoshi episode and there was just a, a guy blowing leaves outside and, like, you know, it made a bunch of noise and, like, you know, we didn't know what to do about it. Yeah, that was pretty creepy. Yeah. I thought it was a great introduction of a new side character, the man who blows leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Joe, remember that time I recorded from a pool? Oh, holy shit. And you got kicked out of the pool. <laughs> Yeah, except you cut that part out because you're a little bastard. <laughs> oh, no, that was at the end of the podcast. I put it as an end credits gag. Really? Yeah. I, I I, didn't know that. Nick, of course I kept that in. It was hilarious. Wow, this changes everything. Maybe there's hope for this podcast after all. Yeah, wow. Nick, do you remember that time we didn't have an episode for like a month and a half as a bit, as a big joke? No. A month means nothing to me, Joe. I'm lifeless every day. Time is an illusion. Right, of course. A month, a day, it's all suffering. I don't know what to tell you. Much like the blue man in Watchmen. We never learn his name, the blue I man. You should say that. Remember the blue man in 30 Rock? It's the funniest thing ever. And it's when Tracy is maybe high or maybe, I don't know what's going on, but I think it happens a couple times. Do you remember this man? <laughs> oh, I do remember this. <laughs> you see, folks, this 10th episode anniversary celebration goes beyond even our podcast. It's really a celebration of my friendship with my co-host it goes through the back channels of our yeah. history together that you know you guys might not even be aware of blink and a year passes i mean slowly and painfully but it passes well, you know after you've been friends with someone for 10 years you start to forget about them because you know that they're just gonna grow old and die if you become too attached you know right and wither away so uh nick you have a thing for me i hear do i have a thing for you i guess i do have a thing for you joe i mean these 10 years I've been trying to hide it from you, but I think I'm finally ready to take that risk and talk to you about it. Oh, I think I'm as ready as I'll ever be. About 10 years ago, Breaking Bad started and it wasn't ready. But recently, Netflix released a movie that takes place after the events of Breaking Bad. 
with Jesse Pinkman, which is Aaron Paul. Just the what happened to him after after the show, which I guess I won't spoil because last time I was talking about it, you said you were interested in watching it. Right, and I still am. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a movie that takes place after the show, so talking about it, I might have to, you know, let, let's just say that at the end of the show, Jesse may or may not be alive and <laughs> may or may not drive away in a car very happy the end. Right. These is, That's the end of the show. That's me closing out Breaking Bad for you. These are all things that may or may not happen. Yeah. You know, at least for me, when I watched that ending, for Jesse, I was like, oh, you know, he's just going to go live his life now. And so this movie was sort of a big surprise because it was announced maybe only a couple months ago. I, I don't remember. We should clarify that you're talking about the Netflix movie El Camino. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I suppose that's a little bit important. It's called El Camino, which means uh, Breaking Bad movie uh, in Spanish. And mm, that is what that means. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so, you know, for fans of the show who watched it, they just thought, okay, Jesse got away. And then this movie was announced, and it was a bit of a surprise. You know, everyone's looking forward to Better Call Saul, but this movie was, like, sort of just got released very quickly. So it was, it was sort of a very fun surprise to get. Yeah, having watched it, I mean, it's on par in terms of, like, cinematography and music and editing, and, you know, making an interesting story in a TV show the way that the rest of the Breaking Bad stuff goes. And it's, you know, stylistically pretty similar. There's good acting. There's that thing I talked about where... You know, sort of side characters just have their like goofy little traits and play a bigger than you might think role in the story. Uh, in this movie, there's a neighbor who is annoying and nosy, and he comes in and out a lot more than I would ever expect. And so, thinking about what I had said last time, not week, but last time. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's good. It's a well-made movie. The acting is really good, and you know, you really get a sense of Jesse's character coming out of Breaking Bad, which I'll just say that he went through some bad times and. You know, maybe there's some lingering trauma, that sort of thing. This movie ends, and I don't want to... Look, look, Joe. Jesse came out of Breaking Bad alive. He's not going to die in this movie, all right? So he's, he didn't die. I'll just tell you that. Is that okay? Sure. <laughs> Are you hurt? I'm I'm fine. Well, basically, I, I was enjoying this movie all the way through. What happened was that I was watching it, and I had to get away from Wi-Fi for like a couple days, and I was just dying to see the last 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> and I it was terrible. It was a traumatic weekend. Yeah, wow. I finally did, and the movie ended, and I was like, well, well, wait a moment. What the hell was this movie? Because it, this movie takes place over, you know, the course of a couple days, and it's basically Jesse getting away from the cops and starting his new life, um, more mm-hmm. or less. You know, there's certain steps that he has to take, but it's more or less ABC trail of what he has to do to get away. And that makes the plot pretty simple. There are some flashbacks to, like, explain what he's up to in the present day. But it's just a very linear, very simple plot. Uh, And it ends, and he is basically exactly where he started. He's free. He's a free man. And watching the end of the movie, you sort of just assume that, all right, Jesse's going to go start his new life, which is exactly the same thing you you would say about Jesse at the end of Breaking Bad. It just serves to, like, explain a couple more things. So in the end, this movie is very enjoyable, but it's like you have to question, why does this exist? Well, maybe I don't have to question it. I mean, I did really enjoy it, so maybe I shouldn't question things like that. I don't know. What do you think? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I'm always partial to the idea that if something has ended, then maybe you should just sort of let it breathe. Yeah, Yeah. I'll tell you that I do know the sort of feeling you're describing, but this movie is very Coda-esque. Like, Like, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's not the central character of Breaking Bad. It's sort of like, if Breaking Bad had another iteration at all, like another three episodes or something, this plot would be in there. It, It just makes sense as like tying up a loose end. Of course. It doesn't yeah. really feel like, oh, they're stretching out the plot further. Like, it doesn't feel like that. It, just, it does really feel like an afterthought, if that makes sense. I mean, I suppose what I am thinking of 
in regards to this sort of idea of creating a coda to an existing uh, show that has ended is so this past week they announced that they're doing four new Adventure Time specials. Oh, right, you texted me which we've time. talked about. This we love Adventure. Uh, which I, we do both love Adventure Time, and for me that's an interesting move because the show only ended last year, and I feel that it wrapped up very conclusively yeah. for me, yeah. and I, I didn't. I didn't have any like compulsion to go back to that world, so I'm interested in the idea of an unnecessary coda, yeah. or perhaps just that's a good example. That... Actually, yeah, that's good because like the ending is good. You have your perfect like nice story there, and it's like, do I really need more? But also like obviously, let's assume that these episodes come out and they're on par with everything else. Like we're gonna be really happy to have more, right? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I, I know opinions differ on this, but like I, I personally am very into the the newer Star Wars movies, uh, which. You know, I, I feel. I'd say that's a bit different because it's a, it's like a sequel series. Sure. You know yeah, I mean? it's more than a coda. Yeah, it's like a new thing. It's like a sequel, okay. but with new characters. So that's it makes fair. Sense. Yeah. It's basically, just saying the world's still alive. You know, I, I think that's a bit different because in this case, it's like, like if you had a, a Breaking Bad show that took place like in the future, like that'd be fine. It, it's just that, like, because it's lingering on the the past story. I think that's all. So I think that Adventure Time example is a good one. Yeah, so I don't know. It's an interesting question because I, you know, obviously I watched this movie and I enjoyed it, but then I was like, I don't know. I guess if I enjoyed it, then sure, make more. You know, I think that's a fair. Until they ruin it, then then I'll be mad. So I guess I guess the bargaining here is that like if you do an extra thing and I don't like it, then I'm mad. But like also like if if you don't screw it up, then I'm fine with it. Yeah. So they're sort of uh, the creators are sort of running their risk there. But anyways, I thought it was a good movie. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think we all have things that we like where where they've you know had revivals that were not particularly enjoyable and like we'd all sort of prefer they didn't exist yeah but you can just ignore them anyways if you like breaking bad you'll like el camino it's a good movie it's a good afterthought and it, you know i mean it does have little insights to like character stuff and little explanations that i think are fun uh, and references too there was actually a better call Saul character that popped up and i was very proud of myself for noticing oh, wow and it was just like this random like driver. And I was like, I mean, he was in it. But I was like, ah, I remember that guy mm. in that other episode. And I was very work, proud of Nick. myself. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I'm done with that. Okay. So my thing this week, which I'll try to keep brief because it's something that you're not caught up on to, to my awareness. Uh, okay. or, uh, is um, BoJack Horseman Season 6. The first part of dropped yesterday as we were recording this. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, it is. Yeah, feel free. I, I'm, I'm uh, maybe gonna watch it, but I don't know. Right, I know you I, didn't watch season five. I didn't watch season five. Yeah, but um, Bojack Horseman season six, uh, is a sort of building up to the finale of this show. The second part of this final season is going to be coming out in January. They've they've sort of split it up, and what a lot of this does is it is developing things towards a conclusion and towards a point where a lot of the characters can move on from the cycles that they've been in in the show, which I think is really cool and kind mm -hmm. of satisfactory to see after, especially with the main few characters, like having, you know, them been being, having been going in periods of growth and decline for so long, that it is very satisfying to see Bojack, for example, you know, genuinely move on and become a better person in a lot of like significant ways and put in that work, uh, which I think is really cool. And yeah. you don't see quite as nuanced a portrayal of in a lot of television. And that's just, that's very satisfying for me. It's good to hear about conclusions. 
Oh, yeah, Remy always says that he keeps waiting for Bojack to be a better person, and then he isn't. And I, I think that's just like a very simple but funny way to like that's you know this is what the show is. You're waiting for like a regular thing where the character becomes a better person, but instead it's sort of like you know more of a negative view and a slower like you're right like two steps forward, one step back sort of, you know, right, sadder view. So it's uh, it's good to hear about that actually. Yeah, I mean, I, I and I think it follows this really interesting and like good line of like having the characters um you know finally or bojack in particular finally recognize that like it is not necessarily an excuse uh to to say that you know you can't grow like that is uh yeah like like that is not actually something that is helpful as a person and at the same time um they have this thread which is building up in the the latter part of this um, half season, I guess, which um, is definitely focusing on the idea that I think even if he has grown as a person, he's probably going to face some consequences in the future for like his past actions, uh, which is really interesting mm-hmm. to me, and I, I, I you know, I want to see where that goes, uh, even if I think that as a viewer, I might not necessarily enjoy it emotionally. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Bojack does that. Yeah. Uh, but as always, uh, Bojack Horseman is a very good show. I'm, I'm, I'm always enjoying the the background gags that they put into this. <laughs> um, still, really, still, um, are they all still like animal based? Many like, of them are. There is, there is one in this. I got sick of that. For real. There fast. is one in this <laughs> that implies that in this universe. Um, that the Thor movies are about Throg. <laughs> All right, that's that's for you. Yeah, that, that was that, just for, for you, me, Joe. But I also a special little treat for you, <laughs> man. Man, oh man! Uh, the... I, remember, I remember that episode where the uh, the chicken the the chickens are sentient people. <laughs> Jesus, it's still a chicken farm. Was, that was great. There's a movie poster in this that um, in the background, and it's um, two cats, two curious. I don't even get that. I don't even get it. It's too smart for me. What the hell is that? <laughs> I don't even understand what you're saying. Two cats. Oh my god. Two. What is that? <laughs> Am I looking at something bad? Curiosity killed the cat, Nicholas. <laughs> You've never heard that phrase? What does that have to do with two cats, two curious? Is it a sequel to the Curiosity killed the cat? Oh my god. I don't get it. Are you aware of the it. movie Too Fast, Too Furious? <laughs> No, that's that's what I was missing. <laughs> I see. That's the Fast and Furious sequel. So I was on the right track. Okay. I you want to get you want to get to the main event of this episode? Is it too fast, too furious? Because I think so. It is not. Oh. Okay. So today, Nick, we are talking about. House of X and Powers of Ten, uh, which are the most recent X-Men storyline uh, from Jonathan Hickman, who wrote them. And the art is by Pepe Larraz and R.B. Silva, uh, among others. Um, and so this recently concluded. It's been a, a weekly thing uh, since late July. Um, and, you know, I've been following along week to week, I believe, you sort of read it all in one go very recently. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to sort of get your sense of uh, what you thought about it. 
Um, well, overall, I was a little bit, you know, confused, which, you know, is not obviously not my main emotion, but it was uh, something that I, I felt I should note uh, because there was points in this series where I was really enjoying myself and I really liked sort of the, the story within an issue or the, you know, the plot line going on. Uh, but overall, it felt like it was jumping around a lot. And so I was a little disoriented. Right. Um, and so I had a little feeling of confusion and overall sort of sort of a, a meh reaction to it where I didn't feel too much. Mm -hmm. Now, we were we were talking earlier and I know that like you sort of had a reaction to this as or at least some of this is like you viewed it as a, a kind of stereotypical comics event, which like I I was surprised at because I had kind of the opposite reaction. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but um, yeah, uh, can you expand I, on that maybe? Well, we you know, you and I talked about the first issue on um, a couple an episode ago or no, when it, Many episodes ago, when I came out on this podcast, um, yes, back in July, you know, I was sort of excited for the idea of. Well, I just wanted to see where it was going because there was some interesting ideas going on about sort of a big X Men event where they start their own country. I don't know, that was interesting to me. Um, what I meant mm -hmm. by it sort of played out as a regular comic book event to me uh, was that it didn't have it wasn't character focused and instead it was focused on sort of you know quote-unquote large uh, events going on across series um, and another thing it did that I felt was sort of comic book like eventy was confusing me being confusing um, <laughs> and yeah not exciting me because of those things sort of you know event after event uh, and somehow also being confusing and that's what comic book okay. like to me. Okay. I, I, I think I understand that more now. I think, you know, if there is a weakness, I think that this, for me, uh, it does kind of lose the character stuff at certain points. Um, like, personally, I think that a lot of the, the more interesting things in this book are either when we are focusing on uh, Charles Xavier, Magneto, and, and uh, Moira, yeah. Uh, who are, I think, the protagonists, uh, fairly clearly, of, of the series. Um, and I think a lot of the other characters, when they do get to shine, like, it is in, like, little bit moments, as opposed to, like, actual uh, progression of the plot, which is very much performed by uh, either Charles Xavier doing things or, like, largely just uh, Moira's machinations from the past, instead of, like, things actively happening. Like, it's very much a... For me, this isn't a complaint, uh, because I, I really enjoyed the series uh, as a whole, but it is very much something that is um, setting up a, a new status quo and not so much, I think, delivering a complete story. Yeah, I agree. If that makes sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't feel like there really was a story at all. Like, I can't really point out like a beginning middle end of this story it's just sort of a couple plot lines um one of which is obviously the thing we talked about in the first issue where the mutants are establishing themselves as a nation in the world in Krakoa uh, and then there's also can you remind me there's one a hundred years in the future and one like a thousand ten thousand years in the future yes yeah, so 
what we have going on here is that we have a uh, in a X-Men year zero timeline uh, or an X-Men years, year one uh, timeline, which is everything that has happened before the events set on Krakoa, uh, which largely follow Moira and uh, the revelation that she has been reincarnated uh, 10 times. This is her 10th life. Uh, and she's sort of throughout these reincarnations been attempting uh, to, to find a way for, for mutants to thrive. Um, and what we have then is we have the, the, uh, the present, uh, timeline, uh, which is, uh, in following up on, uh, Moira's sort of scheming that we see throughout the series. And that's where the mutants are living on Krakoa and we get to see what's going on there. And then we have two alternate future timelines, one of which is set about a hundred years in the future and follows, uh, a group of mutants as they fight against, um, sort of their machine overlords uh, who are led by uh, this uh, gentleman named Nimrod. (laughs) Uh, And uh, then we have a timeline a thousand years in the future, which follows uh, this group of blue people, uh, one of whom is named the librarian, as they come into contact with this great mega intelligence called the phalanx uh, and their ominous discussions thereof. Yeah, um, so my favorite part of the series, um, and the part that I would most call a story, was the part with Moira discovering that she gets reincarnated, and I felt that I think that was an issue, more or less, focused on that. Um, yeah, it does a good job. I mean, it's a through line throughout the series, but it is you know something that originates in that one issue. Does it really play out further than that? Not much. I mean, I think we see something interesting that happens is about halfway through the series, Moira stops showing up and then we see her again in the final issue, uh, which didn't work a hundred percent for me. Because this is not a story. It's a series of random events going on. Um, Yeah. See, I, I, that's, that's where I think we disagree, which is that I, I very much see a through line here. Um, Well, let's break it down. I mean, in the, in the first, there's Moira doing her thing, which makes perfect sense. And, Moira realizing, you know, living all these lives, realizes that the only way that the X-Men don't get extinct is if Magneto and Xavier team up and hang out in Krakoa. And I like that. I like that. Sure. That's a good um, setup. It makes sense for why they are working together. Um, and I don't know, it has, you know, it, it, it has stakes. Like, oh, it could go wrong. The mutants could be extinct. And at the same time, we're watching the future. So it's interesting to see sort of different timelines different possibilities play out from this like the you know the starting point we're at which is like the beginning of the series the mutants establishing their new nation um but the thing is you know the moment that that's set up it doesn't go anywhere like you know you could say that it, there's a couple places you could say it goes you could say it goes to you know the the main plot which is the mutants setting up the nation but like what, what even happens there like basically from the scenes I remember, you know, they have a council meeting and Apocalypse comes and hangs out with them. And that's what happens. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's all that pans out in the entire series. Which I mean, like, you, you, you're you leaving out uh, the whole section where they go off to fight the, the Orcus base uh, that is floating around the sun. And, you're right. Uh, get that. That's where we get the, the revelation that, um, you know, because all the all of the X Men die on that mission, we get the revelation that uh, the X Men or mutants in general do not die anymore yeah, because they've 
because uh, it was senseless action. It was a senseless action scene that didn't really have to do with anything, just to kill them off and show that they come back. My bad. I I actually am inclined to agree. I I think that it was necessary to have something like that, and for what it's worth, I I, I did enjoy that the the character moments that we get there. Like, there's some really good stuff with Nightcrawler and Wolverine. Uh, Monet gets a great line. Um, sure. Which I understand for you as someone who is, you know, not as into uh, X-Men comics recently, uh, like, that might not have paid off as much. Yeah, I mean, just from, like, being within the series, it was just, like, a scene. And it didn't, like, go anywhere. And it, like, You know what I mean? Like, okay, they're back. Like, they get resurrected. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. And then other things happen, I guess. But I, you know, there's no, there's no story here. It's crazy to me how little story there is here. And with the future timelines too. Like, uh, the, I don't remember exactly, but the one hundred years is basically them just being like, there's maybe three or four mutants left, and they're getting cremated, right? And then Moira dies and goes back to tell them that that particular situation won't work out, right? And there's a yeah. I mean, I mean the. The goal there is um, those mutants who are ostensibly working for Moira, uh, who's like being held in stasis. Uh, you know, they're they're attempting to acquire information, uh, which is like the the point at which Nimrod goes online, uh, which you know directly leads into that action scene we get of the X Men infiltrating the base and destroying the the mother molds because it will cause Nimrod to come online. <laughs> yes, and then they all die, right? Uh, yeah. And then that plot doesn't go anywhere, right? I mean, it go, it goes into them being resurrected. I will say that okay. you know the the Orcus never really comes back around yeah. uh, after that point. Well, look, I, I get it. Like it, it's you know, this is obvious. All, all of this is obviously more exciting for you because you have the context. You know the characters. You can understand when they have a good moment. Everything's probably a little easier to understand and probably more exciting because it, it's like a different turn on the, the X Men franchise. Um, is that true? Sure. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I I absolutely agree. Like this is, in part, exciting because it's so novel. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I do understand how you know from your perspective it would be just like, well, this is a story and it didn't quite well, go anywhere. It's not a story. That's what. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's these random scenes and then, like, which is fine. Like I get it. Like maybe it's not for me, but also like, like including you, not not saying not blaming you, but like this has been advertised as a jumping on point and it's it's so not i don't know i just don't agree with that at all like it's hmm. okay you're that's that's perfectly valid i but at the same time I, I have seen like so many people online and also in my family uh you know jump onto this basically fresh uh you know my brother who has not read x-men comics in many years and my mom who has never read x-men comics are, are both you know, people who have read this and got it. Um, Can I ask, did they like it? You know, I, I think they they had varying levels of enjoyment. But okay. uh, for me, I don't. I don't mean to like accuse you of not I enjoying it. I, I think it. Come on, Joe. I don't think this is a good jumping on point. Like it, it is because it's new and everyone's excited about it. But it's not not confusing. Sure, but I I, I think that is largely rooted in the the story itself rather than. Uh, you know, past continuity. Like, this is... You have all the pieces that right. it's just intricately woven. Maybe. But then also, like, it seems like there's no... I don't know, there's no characters to focus... Like, I don't know. 
there's nothing to get invested in except for like like it's all just set up for other stuff there's you know like there's nothing to okay i can understand that criticism interested in. um yeah so i'm glad you enjoyed it and uh, i look forward to hearing about what happened with this mutination but overall i didn't enjoy this series that much okay you know, I, I think this is just something that we fundamentally disagree on uh, in looking for stuff in media. <laughs> yeah. What did What did you think on like a, a a formal level of like the the charts in the the data pages that are included in this? I like them. I like dark charts and data pages. I like I like it when. Um, oh, I'm glad. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> goes the extra mile and you know makes some context for me to read if I want. Um, I didn't. I mean, I wasn't that invested, so, you know, it wasn't that exciting for me, but also, like, I think it's cool if you're a creator to do that, and in the first issue, I love them a lot, and I liked it, I liked the, um, Moira's lives one with the circle, and the, there was some really cool ones, so I appreciated them. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, I, I, I really dig those as, like, an, an innovation in the format, and they're also, what's interesting to me about them is that they're kind of, in a way, this is maybe a bit of a stretch, but they're they're kind of a successor to the the uh, in universe information pages that we get in Watchmen. Uh, all the although these are formatted differently because they come uh, in between scenes rather than at the end of each chapter, and yep. they're also you know not of the universe. Where in Watchmen, there are you know articles or or readings that are generally like within that story. These seem to have like some nature to them that are not quite like within the narrative yep it's more like a like a wiki page than a, a I don't know. yeah I, yeah I mean, it's 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 more like just directly trying to inform the audience which is more helpful mm -hmm. yeah i mean they, there's for me a lot to love about this series and you know I, I'm, I'm glad that you know they, these are around and that, that we're getting like interesting things being done with the x-men and i also just like i'm very into the idea of of krakoa and and like as a as a metaphor i think that's a really cool step to have to to have the mutants be aspirational instead of like just being oppressed all the time to some degree like even you know there are clear signs in this that it won't eventually work out but at the same time like having a minority population that like can no longer be like bodily oppressed because like they, they, their bodies are irrelevant to like their actual being is like a really interesting concept. Yeah. Like just the, the, the way that the resurrection works and how that like thematically parallels uh, Moira's like uh, many lives is interesting to me. So uh, you want to move on? Oh, yes. I would like to move along. <laughs> uh, I... So, Nick, um, today uh, we are doing what we do every week. Uh, as you well know, we are answering one very special listener question. Oh, just one? Sounds good. Uh, so Remy Minkoff asks... What do you think is the future of the comic in book industry regarding format? 
digital or print. Um, so I think this is something that you know we we think we both think about a fair amount. Yeah. We were talking about it yeah, to yeah, some degree yeah. yesterday. <laughs> Uh, you can go first. Um, I think that it is something of a false binary. I think that, you know, we, we are not in the near future going to be in a situation where we have to choose between reading digitally or reading print-wise, because that is really like a, a decision that I think most people make for themselves individually. And it's not like, I, I don't think people are moving towards digital in numbers that would support that being like the only mode that we make comics in if that makes sense makes sense makes sense i mean people like physical books that's why they're still bookstores if, if things were going to go yeah exactly variety you know i think something we will see and something i'd like to see is a movement especially by like just the bigger publishers like your marvel and your dc um towards focusing on trade and original graphic novel formats oh man that um, was more than like the floppies <laughs> yeah i think that you know i i love a good issue of a comic as much of the next as much as the next guy but at the same time um you know and, and granted like you you see a bunch of stuff about how like actually uh comic book issue sales are up compared to a few decades ago um or at least like you know the the tail end of the 1990s which were a bad time for the industry but like at the same time uh i think that it is important to engage with like new audiences and i think a lot of like younger kids like even people like of our generation uh as like young adults uh like for the longest time have like primarily engaged with comics uh, as like singular things like with, with like the many young adult books that you have out which are uh, I think largely original graphic novels uh, yeah. rather than floppies yeah I mean that's why why graphic novels are really killing it and they have been for years um, yeah they're really popular like also in bookstores um, so jumping onto my answer here I don't think things are going to go totally digital I think that's silly um, but I do think that that single issues will be eradicated. Um, I don't know if they're going to be eradicated, at least not like in the, in the near future. Like I think there's going to be a place for them, but I also, I also think that, I, you know, there's always going to be comics, but I, I think that the single issue thing with the, just, I don't think that's going to work out because it's such a bad format <laughs> and it also makes some of the, you know, usually the worst material. Um, like you're saying about YA novels and um, like having graphic novels all at once, I think that that's actually some of the best content, and it's also the content that you know kids are getting into, like including me, me a kid. Sure. Um, I think you know worst case, um, comic book industry totally collapses, and all the comics just move to the bookstores, and I'm okay with that. So. Print I think that there's so the answer digital over print. It's print because comics are nice to hold and look at. Um, page <laughs> spreads are a big good thing, and so digital mm -hmm. comics just aren't as good, and everybody knows it. I would like to point out that they're <laughs> they're. <Joe. laughs> you have a web comic, but you print it. Oh, I do. <laughs> yeah. What? I would like to point out that there is a lot of like innovative, like good work happening in Marvel and DC. Like I. 
you know, I obviously really like the current X-Men stuff. I, 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 Runaways we talked about last month, I think we both really love. Um, Immortal Hulk is like a really innovative thing. Hold on, Joe, um, I just thought of something really great. <laughs> Why don't digital comics just break the thing where they have to use a page? No. Like, well, first of all, I think I've heard of this, but where you don't end a page, you just... Oh, are, are you... Oh, you're talking about Scott McCloud's Infinite Canvas. <laughs> um, yes, but also, what about horizontally? I mean, a lot of... Hmm, fair point. I think it, it doesn't... a lot of uh, webcomics do do that they these do. days, uh, especially on, like, what is it called? Webtoon is a website that has comics pretty much exclusively made in that format. I think you're going to see that less on stuff like Comixology, which was built for, like, a specific mode of reading. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I just think that if you're going to do webcomics, actually, I think webcomics are a great idea now. I changed my answer. The future is webcomics. <laughs> pages, pages are restricting. You have to... Did you go to the one... Okay, the Nick, you've got, a, you've got a wise quote for us, I believe. A coward dies a thousand times before his death. But the valiant taste of death, but once. Hold on, I found actually I found a good um. While we're at it, uh, I think Hemingway, who because that's Shakespeare, and then Hemingway disses Shakespeare. Are you ready? Sure. All right. So it's the quote I just said, and then Hemingway says, I guess, um, the man who first said that was probably a coward. Dot dot dot. Sort of passive aggressive dots there. He knew a great deal about cowards, but nothing about the brave. The brave dies perhaps 2,000 deaths if he's intelligent. He simply doesn't mention them, says Ernest Hemingway in A Farewell to Arms, which I have not read. Thank you for listening to Out of Our Heads, a pop culture podcast from the minds of Joe Bordner and Nick Brett Pappas. You can contact us at outofourheadspod at gmail.com, where you can send us listener questions. My Twitter handle is at Joe B underscore draws. You can read my webcomic Aeronaut at jobydraws.com. As always, Nick has nothing to promote. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. It would really help with the show. Bye.